1: This week's episode is sponsored by Lexi and Teal. Lexi and Teal is a British silk accessories brand providing mulberry silk eye masks and pillowcases because, as they say, everybody deserves a good night's sleep. For those of you new to luxurious silk like me, grade 6A mulberry silk is the absolute best you can buy and is exactly what Lexi and Teal create their made-to-last products with. Whether you want a honeymoon perfect wedding gift in ivory or to fall asleep on a pillow of ocean blue or if you're a sucker for rose gold like most millennial women, Lexi and Teal have a range of six beautiful colours to suit your style and taste. Founded by Amelia Allen in 2020, inspired by both her heritage, she is Mauritian Indian and Scottish, but also the conflict between luxury and its inevitable environmental impact with sustainability in mind they order small quantities from suppliers meaning reduce wastage limit the plastic they use with delivery bags being biodegradable and to minimize their carbon footprint they use ships rather than planes to have the goods delivered find them online at lexianteal.com and on all the socials at lexianteal let's move into today's show hello everyone and welcome back to an episode of free and figuring it out this week i have been figuring out something that mm, i wish i would rather not but fatigue so um for those of you who've been listening or not like i had covid about a month ago now um and i was very lucky i was double jabbed um so it was all kind of above shoulder effects it was pretty horrible um but my breathing and and stuff wasn't affected thankfully um and I kind of got over it and thought great back to normal let's crack on and the week after I'd like finished my, my isolation stuff um I went back to my spin class um it was my birthday weekend so did like an evening in Manchester evening um in my hometown and really just kind of got back to normal life and then the week after that all of a sudden this fatigue hit me and I was like oh I thought I'd sort of avoided this and I hadn't so it's a funny one it's hard to talk about because I think if anyone said fatigue to me before I kind of was Maybe not very <laughs> empathetic, and would have been a bit like, "Oh, you're a bit tired. Maybe just go to bed early and like get over it," sort of thing. Um, but it's funny, fatigue. It's like um, there is the tiredness thing, but it's more. Um, I can measure it more with my energy level. So, like, say you have, you know, your hundred percent battery is is full when you know pre-covid I feel like I've lost about 60% of the energy so what I mean by that is like I will you know um get up and and do my day everything will be a bit slower and I also just that motivation and momentum will be missing a little bit and but I'll carry on with stuff quite normally and then I'll hit about one or two and it's like that's my day's energy sort of spent. Um, whereas normally I'd have enough to keep going another eight, nine hours. So um I have I've tried not well, I don't know that I've tried not to. Sometimes it just doesn't fit into a day, but I have been taking more naps when I've needed them. Um, but yeah, it's just I'm just figuring out the best way to deal with it because it's oh, it's just horrible. It makes you feel really lazy, you feel really guilty. And you know I think people around you are a bit like eye rolling like oh my god you know um but then I've had people who work sort of in the medical profession who are working with COVID patients and they're like you literally just need to stop Mm. and you're like really and they're like yeah like we've seen it so many times and that the only real remedy for this is rest and then one of my um Piers said it took me four months to fully recover from fatigue after COVID and I'm like oh so I'm just trying to find that balance at the minute of still living my life and being there for my family and friends and doing things and then just literally crashing when I need to crash Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just odd it's weird and yeah it's bringing up a lot of like like not very nice feelings in me you know in, in terms of just feeling really lazy and feeling very guilty and and things like that so no
0: it's a really difficult thing to deal with i had covid after variety so i'm not as as back into it but i've the last couple of days i've definitely had a thing where i'm like one day i feel quite good and like my angel is fine and then i think like for example that i think two days ago i went to go to my food shop it was, like, my first one, like, I was like, I'm all good. I'm going to back out. Yeah, let's get some food and try and, like, refuel my body. But during the food, by the time I did the food trip at, like, 1 o'clock, by the time I got back, I was absolutely just like, I'm done. And I went to go and read a book, and I think I literally read a book for about 20 minutes, and then the next thing I knew, I'd, like, fall asleep for two hours. But mm. I was like, clearly, that was absolutely what my body needed. Um, and it is difficult, and it's really difficult. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm going to be writing about it as um on my Instagram about, as a self-employed person like actually trying to keep your body like your energy the thing you mentioned about like energy I'm like people pay me for my energy like actually that's a big part of like my work and not feeling in control of your energy not knowing how you're going to feel when you wake up tomorrow like you said feeling as if maybe you're only gonna get halfway through the day that's a that is a difficult thing when it is a key part of how you make money
1: Hmm. yeah no it's uh yeah interesting never thought we'd um, be having this conversation either and and again like both you know lucky that that we've kind of got through it but um I suppose you just think well I'm young I'm healthy I you know it won't affect me and then when it does um and when it's something you've maybe criticized in the past as well <laughs> um it's it's just a funny thing so yeah so I'm, I'm figuring that out I think I'm I'm getting the balance what's annoying me the most is I bought a blooming 10 pass um thing to my ride classes just before I got COVID so um I need to also figure out what to do with that because I'm I'm the the upsetting thing is I really want to go to a spin class which is so big for me because I hate exercise (laughs) and so it's really upsetting that I found something and now I can't because I know if I did it it literally floor me so um yeah, I'll have to see about that one. But anyhow, we'll we'll figure that one out.
0: Well, give them a little ring and just be like, listen, you need to let me off the hook. I can come, but then I'm going to basically pass out halfway through your class. No, have a little word. Hopefully they'll... Surely there's lots of people that must be understanding right now because I think, yeah, it's a really hard one. we just got to look after our bodies and keep care of them. Now, whilst I've been trying to take care of my body and spend more time lying down, it had made me go back onto TikTok. So I actually have one of my clients at the moment um, wants to use TikTok as one of their marketing channels. And I am. Um, I opened an account, probably about this time last year, actually, in the summer 2020, when, you know, I think it was having a massive, like everyone was at home and I was like, I might start doing some dancing. Oh, I really like this filter where three people could dance when it was just you and it made you into three. I literally was on it for about two days and then I was just like, no, Sherelle, this is you're gonna spend way too much time on this. Like you do not need to add this into your life. So I totally avoided it. But because of this client, I was like, finally go back on it. And then I think I sent like Verity, like I was sending Verity videos, and I after about like two hours, it's like this is just the biggest time suck in the world. And it's so difficult because like as a business owner, you I hear so many people that are blowing up on TikTok. It's making great um impre- like great results for their business. And then actually I know someone else who's like a finfluencer which TikTok is meant to be massive for influencers. Like financial influencers are literally loving life on TikTok. And I always spoke to someone the day who was saying that she'd been on it and she's had to take a step back she's like you know I can't be everywhere I can't do everything I was like god that's quite big for someone in that space to be like no I'm walking away and it's this constant battle because I'm like it's all these dance videos and I love dancing and I think it would be great but then I'm just like this how much time are you spending on another type of content and actually how valuable it is so I'm I'm telling myself I'm not going to start creating anything that's where I feel like I'm at now I'm figuring out how it works to be able to help my clients and that's fine and it's important as someone who likes to be on top of all social like media I think it's important to understand how the platform works but I feel as if it's not the right thing to do but it's difficult I just want to say that so it's hard not to be everywhere when you feel like you should be everywhere and it, we all have to draw a line somewhere and I'm sure I'm missing out on some things but right now that's the choice I'm making
1: yeah and you've got to like you know is it in your flow as well like you know some people will like reels for me are just I could do them in my sleep like they they take no energy from me you know they're super they feel super easy and so um, whereas TikTok I feel like I need a Gen Z sat next to me to teach me how to make the most of it like it's really weird and so I think you've got to think about that like talk about energy like you know is it in your flow does mm. it does it feel like I can just whack one of those out or is it yeah that
0: thing about tiktok and reels because essentially they are the so a similar type of content they're both portrait they're both videos quite often the trends from one to the other in terms of like either music or sound clip like they're so so similar but you're not the first person that it really feels Totally separate in their mind.
1: Yeah, but do you know what it's to do with? It's to do with the comfortableness of the software as well. Uh, so Instagram has been like pumped into my veins for like the past five years or however. TikTok, I go on it like once every three months. So I look at the the software and I'm like, uh, where's the songs? What do I add text? Okay. Do I fade that? It's all, so all of that adds to it. Whereas TikTok, I'm like, yeah, no, this like easy. All the way around. So I think it's to do with... Uh, yeah, all the way around fatigue. Um, but yeah, so I think that's it. But the, the interesting thing you said, like, I, I know people who've had like a million views on a video, and nothing's come of it. And you know, this is the other thing that we talk about a lot numbers, like there's someone that I know, again, they have about 25,000 followers, but they get like 300 views a video. Oh, wow. So, again, like, I just think, mm, is it one of those things that you either blow up or or it's nothing? You know, like, there's no real in the middle.
0: And this is the thing, and I was like, if I create content, really, I just want to do dance videos. I just want to do all the trends, and i would spend way too much time learning all the dance, recording them, and actually, that's not going to help my business right now. That doesn't prove to people that I'm a great marketer. it would just be something I want to do, and that's fine. But then I'm like... You, it's not the most important thing for what I'm doing right now so you know leave it sit behind I'm doing my reels I'm trying to get back on the reels on the gram and the thing about the interesting thing about reels on the gram and you be like oh I just do them really easy is so I did one just before my birthday where I like, had transition and it took me forever to do it and then it was the worst performing reel I've had so I'm just like that's the
1: worst <laughs>
0: I spent ages <laughs> trying to literally, it was like one where like I changed outfit. And I think in between, like I washed my hair, I did my face. I was like, you went through all of this and it got the worst um, result. Whereas then actually I did one, the one that probably was the quickest I've ever done is performed the best. So you, you just don't know. And actually it's really important yeah. if you're using your social media as a business, it is really difficult finding that balance because you've got to be like, I could spend hours and I have no idea if this is going to take off or not um and these are all risks that we take
1: yeah and then as as marketers and people who like the real numbers like you know does taking off mean a million views or does taking off mean I'll sign three new clients you know like it's like um it is it's really interesting and I think you know we all talk about the sort of magpie effect with all the new software and um, you know, things like Clubhouse and stuff, which, you know, you've ventured into and, and it's been like a, a really great thing for you. And I just never did because I it just baffled me from the start and I didn't. And then other people have and then thought, no, it's not for me. And it's with anything that's new, like you've got to sort of figure out is this going to work for me? And what what exactly, why am I doing this? Now, if you had a team of like three people underneath you, Sherelle, who was doing all the bits that you spend time doing, and so you could have a spare few hours a day to do fun exercise, dance things, and it will bring you joy, yeah. you know, then that's fine, isn't it? But you're not at that point where you can go to your team, right? You crack on with the admin stuff. I'm going to learn a dance routine and put it on TikTok. So, you know, But then also,
0: even if I did have that time... <laughs> Actually, wouldn't I rather just be with my friends? Wouldn't I, like, actually, do I want to spend more time by myself? And I was thinking about this because I was like, obviously, last year was I was by myself in the garden anyway. So let's learn a dance video. It's not like you had anything else to do. But I was like, when now you have options of doing other fun things, shouldn't I be Mm. with people, not sitting at home? Like, I'm not going to get a friend. No friend's about to do a video with me. So this is just more solo time. And after a whole year of being solo, really? Is that what you want to do, Sherelle? So yeah, let us know, how do you feel? TikTok, Instagram, Clubhouse. I'd actually love to know, because now I feel like there's all these rumors around, like actually, what are people using? What do people like? Drop us a DM on Instagram, if you're on Instagram. If you not, know, You can send us an email. Because I actually, I don't know who is, I don't know who actually is using stuff and what people are doing. Because like you said, things change. And I've spoke to a lot of people recently that dropped back off Clubhouse, but I am still there. So for all the business owners that are listening, Thursday at five o'clock, come and join me. Entrepreneurs, Winds and Wine,
1: I'm there. Go find her, go find her. Um, so I uh listen to, um, I've mentioned it before on the po- podcast, but another podcast called The Kindness Economy by Mary Portis. Um. Many of you will know her for her very bright, red-headed Bob Anna wintour um, and for sort of sorting the high street out um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um And now, and also I need to point out that she is a queer woman. So woo woo, queer woman. Um, And she's now sort of lost the red locks and she's gone a beautiful gray and embraced, you know, her mature years. And um, she has just released a book based on this. And it's about the kindness economy and the way that she describes it is um, people, planet, profit. And in that order, like that's what we should be building our businesses on right now um and you know she's pretty ballsy like she doesn't really um tiptoe around these issues so she's kind of trying to hold businesses accountable like why aren't you putting these things in this priority um because she believes if you do you will have a better business you will make more profit um and so she interviews people who are from businesses who have employed this strategy already so a bit of proof in the pudding really and the reason i mentioned it this week is because um i actually listened to an interview with anna blackburn who is beaver brooks managing director beaver brooks is a jewelry company and they're actually based on the file coast which is where i am from um in Lytham St. so it was quite nice to hear like a local business being spoke about on such a national platform and um yeah just a really nice um interview with Anna who uh, Beefbrook is a a family company she's the first non-family member to run um the jewelers Mm -hmm. Um, and she actually started like on the shop floor so she basically worked her way up to MD which I think is a really powerful thing as well and it's just all about um yeah like they donate a certain percentage of profits to charity they really bring in their employers uh, employees with um where they want to donate to um really being aware of um what their needs are you know what they want and um and yeah, just putting people first, really, and letting everything um, follow. And with that, you know, she has increased profits and really created um, a sustainable business. The one thing I will say, though, and especially it being a local business to me, is I never knew any of this. Mm. Now, this is as marketers, me and Cheryl will agree. I'm I'm a great believer in there's a lot of stories not being told. And sometimes it's the like missing ingredient, like people just assume, you know, all of this stuff. And actually that story or um, that, you know, piece of information could be the difference between someone buying from you or not. And, um, you know, like if I knew about this before, I'd probably been more open to going to Beaver Brooks. So it's, it's interesting. And, and, to yeah to know that it's such a massive part of their history and I never ever knew um and then as a marketer, naturally, I thought well how could they get that message out better mm. you know so yeah it's um it's a lovely um episode she's got some other great people on there as well this series
0: mm, sounds really good and nice as you say, to have a little local a local story it's always nice to have something yeah. close to home Hello, Sherelle here. Just another little note about this week's sponsors, Alexi and Teal. By now, you know that they create beautiful silk accessories, but what are the benefits of luxurious mulberry silk, you ask? Many beauty experts recommend using silk pillowcases because of their benefits for hair and skin. They can prevent wrinkles, tame frizzy hair, keep skin hydrated, plus keep you dry and cool all night, perfect for these hot summer sleeps. And when it comes to Lexi and Teal eye masks, they are extremely gentle to your delicate eye area, nourishing to your skin and great at blocking out those early sunrises and late sunsets, which we are currently experiencing in the UK. Find them online at www.lexiandteal.com and on the socials at Lexi and Teal. Now back to the show. Well, from close to home to international worldwide crisis. So I was watching Explained, which is a series on Netflix. And I'm sure I'll talk about some more episodes because it was the one thing that really, I was, I was messaging everybody like, I've got to stay in bed, what shall I watch? And the Explained series, I like. I just sat and I watched it, I think for like a whole day because there was so many interesting topics. But this one is mm-hmm. called The World's Water Crisis. And it talks about how in cape town they were approaching day zero so it was going to be the city was going to actually run out of water in terms of like actual drinking water and it was only as the city got really really close to the day that then all of a sudden people started to find ways to use water less um, and be better with their consumption and actually they managed to start making day zero um go back and back and I think now it's totally been removed and they, they say they don't have the crisis but what was just uh, there are a few things that are interesting because one I think it was fascinating this idea of as soon as they were really public about the problem and it got close to being like we're about to run out of water that's when everyone paid attention but secondly it showed you like other cities that are gonna it's gonna happen to and like London was one that is like on the radar of being like, it's in our lifetime. And that quite scared me. Cause I think I was like, what do you mean? Like we live in England. What do you mean? I literally sat here yesterday and I was like, it rained all day. Like how on earth are we running out of water? And then we said, that's the thing that's interesting. Like if you live in a country where it rains, you're just like, this is never gonna like, happen to us at all. Like what are you on about? And it's, you know, we can all feel as if we've got this endless resource, but we don't because actually, we are the water that's in the oceans. Most of it we can't drink, we can't access most of it. And actually it's like, it's a very small percentage of the world's actual water, which is um, able to be drunk. So yeah, so London is on the list, which slightly made me think, oh my gosh. Um, And it just just teaches you a lot about actually like how we get our water, why we have got these shortage problems. And I suppose us having to wake up so that actually if we want to have water in the foreseeable for everyone, or, and and this is obviously, we're also trying to get drinking water into places that don't even have it yet. So, and the population is increasing, like there's so many things against it. So it just was a massive eye opener for me because it was something I never considered and rain isn't always a solution basically.
1: Hmm, interesting and when you said that and I know it's not consumable but you know we're an island as well (laughs) like we rain a lot and we're an island it's like if we can't figure it out then you know um there's some countries like totally landlocked with like you know 40 degree heat for a lot of the year so um so so what how did Cape Town turn it around like what what so I think part, some
0: of it was just around. It was like awareness and people actually starting to re- mm. think, okay, if this is going to run out, how can I start to use less? And that's why, like originally, it started to be like the date will just move back like by a month or two. And it just was because actually most of us are consuming more than we need to do. Now, yeah. in terms of on the bigger scale, there are there are there's quite a few things that need to happen because some of the issues to do with like how much drinking water ends up escaping from pipes like there's actual masses of issues um in terms mm. of like and we I mean I've heard of that before but secondly it's this idea that what's really difficult is water as a, as a society as a whole we want to make a basic human right like and obviously we know there are still many places in the world where clean drinking water is not like available but on the like the most of the Western world, we would say having access to clean water is a basic human right. So we have something that we want to, in an idealistic world, make available to everyone. But that means, and we want to try and make it like as free as cheap as possible. But then it means people don't value it. And what they were trying to talk about in this program is that's where there's a very hard thing about how do we make it that we realise this isn't a limitless resource and there is a cost so like actually one of the when we think of it goes through like actually how much a human consumes and we just think about how much we're drinking today and like you know how much we're using the bath and the toilet and all that type of stuff was that's not our consumption actually and like I'm, I remember reading about this before like how much it takes to make a cotton t-shirt for mm, example how much book yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. how much goes into a piece of meat and they were talking about like actually the whole farming like institute and it's like the, but that price of actually how much water it costs to then make a beef burger, it isn't reflected in the price. Like actually beef burgers are really cheap because we don't, so it's like the pricing model of water is really difficult because we want to keep it cheap and we want to make it it's accessible to everyone, but then it means actually it's not necessarily being reflected. We still, we the amount of water that goes into a beef burger or into a cotton t-shirt is nowhere near, it's not right they don't add up so we buy them cheap so then we don't value them and that was i thought that sort of conversation was really interesting because it's difficult we can't just actually make everyone pay all the money they need to pay for the water they use because if like if we value if we priced it properly it would have a negative impact on people like with lower income but how do we make it so that people aren't just like massively abusing it and using water that they don't need to? And how do we make everyone aware of all how much water is being used by everything? It's complicated. Gosh, yeah.
1: It is. And I think we do take it for granted, especially in the Western world. And I think if if you've ever had experiences of lack of water, and like when I lived in India, like for instance, I couldn't drink tap water, it would have made me poorly. Um So I had to like, it It made me more aware of water because I had to stock up Mm -hmm. on uh, bottled water and, you know, the nearest shop was like 15 minutes away and, you know, just something as simple as just, I need a sip of water, it's 45 degrees out, wasn't that simple. Like I had to be really, you know, and, and then also things like working up in like you know lower income where maybe boilers and showers don't work as well like you'd run out of water you'd have to wait for like the boiler to re-kick in and so all those things help you um have a more of a connection with water but then I think like you say it's that education you you know I live on the coast so you look out and there's this expanse of water so you're like well surely we can't run out of water look at all of that <laughs> but it's all it's yeah it sounds very intricate the actual um like journey of water and the uses and the context and everything so I don't think I've watched that one but I love Explained so I'll have to uh have a look at that one so
0: yeah definitely check it out we all need to because I think all of us need to pay a little bit more attention because actually there's loads of places where it could run out in our and it's actually in our lifetime I think that's what shocked me is I've always been a bit Mm. like oh whenever whenever but actually we're talking about in our lifetime so
1: yeah yeah Good stuff. Well, moving on to water, big expanses and shiny pools. <laughs> that was the worst link in the world. <laughs> I've been watching the Olympics. It's only because I keep seeing, like, um I don't know, I keep seeing like pools and stuff. And I do keep thinking, I wonder how much water it takes to maintain, you know, like to. Um, Anyway, um so yeah, I've been watching the Olympics, um, which started well kind of just over midway. And it's again something that I think, oh great, the Olympics are online, not that bothered. And then I just am sucked in. And I think it's important to say that I am not sporty in the slightest. Like I was like egg and spoon race all the way in primary school. That was like my top of my, you know, my peak. Um and but I think what I've sort of done in adulthood is not let that stop enjoying me sport, from enjoying sport. So I think I used to feel a bit of guilt around, well, maybe, you know, you can only really enjoy watching other people if you are trying to take part yourself. And then I think I've just realised that, no, it's fine. I'm not meant to be um, sporty. Um, I have my own ways of enjoying exercise and and that's it. So it's just, you know, me and Sherelle talk a lot about um, you know being the best and believing and and so the Olympics is a lovely mm. way for to see that embodied you know and um, it does niggle me a little bit about developed versus developing representation which is going to happen because of everything to do with economy social structure etc Um and yeah I just I feel like the you know like uh, I've been looking at some of the supporting um, like articles and stuff on the Olympics and a few um, commentators have been sacked for being racist. There was a Greek commentator that was sacked for his reference to um, a Korean um, athlete and things like that, which is brilliant. Like the Olympic Committee is so on it when it comes to that equality, um, equal rights, anti-racism. Um, they've brought in a lot more um, mixed, um, sort of races um, and activities to ensure equality within men and women so they had a mixed triathlon which they've never done before so two men two women doing a triathlon relay Um, and they've done it in quite a few other sports which is brilliant to really encourage Uh, they did it in the swimming as well so um two men two women um but yeah the whole like you know, they're talking about the greatest in the world and then I I just have this niggling feeling like I'm sure there's other great people from countries that don't have the economy or infrastructure to mm-hmm. help their people excel. So that just always sits at the back of my head. But yeah, it's just it's just brilliant just to see people like, you know, people say like, I've had this dream since I was seven, eight and I think, wow, like what... How does that even get into your head you know like that that's what you want to achieve um and then to get there and um it's so wonderful just to see people at their optimum in terms of their head their body you know their sort of confidence and belief system and really excelling in something that they they love doing also, though, you know, obviously most of us will have read about Simone Biles and um, a few, Dina Asher-Smith as well, like, didn't qualify for the 100-metre uh, final. She pulled out of the 200-metre, and um, it wasn't necessarily to do with mental health, but pressure, a lot of pressure. They all talk about pressure. One of the reasons Simone Biles pulled out, pressure, mental health, not great. And I think um, it does make us question, you know, um, it, do, do we want to be the greatest? Can we handle being the greatest? Um, and is it, or is it to do with not us, but everything around us, you know? Maybe we can handle being the greatest, but then the pressure put on us by every other thing around us to remain the greatest um, yeah, is crazy. So, yeah. I think
0: the Olympics, like you were saying, it's that end thing, because I do really find it exciting when you're watching people that are like excelling and amazing. And, you know, I hadn't really been watching, um, really watching anything, but then I think, like, my feed just, like, blew up when Tom Dale finally got his gold <laughs> for his diamond mm-hmm. And literally, my mum was like, oh, my gosh. But I was like, I remember watching him, like, I don't, I don't know if I watched him the first time, but I was like, it's years, like, it, this is, like, years and years and years where we've just gone back, yeah. tried again, like, gone back, tried... It's like, we have, in a way, like, grown up with some of these athletes. So to see them being, like, you know, I've got knocked down I haven't achieved it like so many bad things have happened people get injured all that stuff they're like no I'm coming back I'm coming back and that does massively appeal to me and being like you know big goals take determination hard work and longevity like not just getting knocked down the first time as a hurdle but I think yeah. like with Simone there is something very different when we have something we're trying to achieve that can be quite a private goal versus something that's so public and actually you become like the nation's hopes are on you and you know we it's the same thing with you know like lot sports in general it's like all of a sudden it's not even about you it's because you're representing your country and that is a massive amount of pressure and all of a sudden like it's not about you and I think that's the difference I would say about I think it's a really good example of like achieving a goal doing the hard work like you know, not just thinking everything's going to happen straight away the olympics is probably the best example of really being like if you have big goals this is what it can take but i think there's something very different about having been a private goal that you're working towards and a public goal where the whole rest of the nation is now like behind you and feel as if if you win like people basically feel like they let everyone else down when they lose don't they like that's what oh, completely and that's crazy for someone to have to deal with
1: yeah, and it's it's interesting. A lot of the um, you know when in the interview people, both who've won or just missed out on medals and stuff, the family in is brought in a lot. As in, like that family have lived this Olympic dream yeah. since this person was eight, nine, ten, because they've had to get up and drive across the country and take them. You know, and and that, and I think it's all of that as well as like the bigger picture. But just to kind of finish on the Simone Biles thing, it, it was interesting um, when they were talking about it in the studio afterwards on on the BBC and they had an ex-gymnast in there and he said, you know, you've you've got to be really careful because if you're not if your head's not in the right place, like you could have a life altering or career ending injury. Like, you know, if you're doing And the thing was, she did a vault and she was meant to do two and a half twists in the air and she did one and a half. Mm -hmm. And he said, you get to a point where you can become like a bit blind or just foggy. And he said, if you like know that that's how you're feeling and you attempt something, and you can't do it properly like that could be it like that Mm -hmm. could be fatal if you're not and I think it's just important metaphor that you can transfer to other things in life just knowing when to check out just knowing when to be like I am not in my best place right now and I need to just take a step back and know that that isn't a failure that that's you taking control of of your life and being brave and standing up to to trust in you your body your mind and everything so so, yeah, I I just can't believe how much hate she's had on that. I mean, you just see it and you think, wow, like, you know, how brave. It must be so hard to do that. Just step back when you want to achieve something so much and you're there. You're at the Olympics. Like, this isn't like, you know, you're in it. But, yeah, I just think she's, she's brilliant for a, a young black woman as well.
0: And I do think this year would have been a particularly hard year because every, the thing I was really intrigued about is this has been delayed by a year. So everyone Hmm. for the last four years had had a date in their mind and they'd been priming their bodies for this precise moment in time. And then that got pushed back by a year. And all of us listening right now all know that we've all probably had something that's been pushed back. But can you imagine something like that where it's like, you've been like the timing, the training, everything you've gone to, to be like, I am going to be at my peak for these four weeks in four years time. And then all of a sudden that gets moved back. Like, I don't think even there's been like enough recognition and like how that would impact, them. and we don't know what those athletes have all had to deal with in the last year as well. Like, and I think the whole thing around when you talk about different countries and like how they can support their athletes, I imagine that's been massively different over the last year because people's experience based on where they lived has been would have been so different.
1: Well, yeah, I think one cyclist who uh, I think he was the one that won gold. I've once said he was, uh, mountain bike I'm not sure I've got that right but he was basically sent some tarpaulin and and some rope from like the British cycling site, so he could get used to humidity while cycling and he put an exercise bike like under this tarpaulin and sweated his guts out in his backyard because he couldn't train because of COVID yeah. and so it's like you know um, everyone's been in the, well we say that everyone's been in the same position, but hasn't, you know, in terms of training, it's been effective But um, yeah, it's just uh, go watch it, go watch it. We're on athletics now, which is very exciting. <laughs> I think that's the most like well-known part of the Olympics for those who aren't really into it. Um, so, and the saying, you know, women are leading the sort of that's the most exciting part of like all these hundred meters, two hundred meters. So yeah, let's go support the women of the world and uh, go watch all the athletics on the TV.
0: Cool. Well, I have been not watching TV as much. I've been reading, obviously I've been reading. I'm backing it. I'm really backing it. I'm really happy. And I've just got quite a new book actually, which spotted my eye. And so um kindly was sent to me by Elliot and Thompson. And it's called The Payoff, How Changing the Way We Pay Changes Everything. And on the front cover it has a picture, a thumb of a credit card. And I'm quite interested at the moment in money books that aren't necessarily about personal finances in the way of like It's not about us saving, investing, spending, but just money as a bigger concept. And so this is about how really we like cash and then how we moved into debit cards and credit cards and how we've got things like Venmo now and all the rise of like fintech companies and basically how we pay for things and it's like, it's quite e- like easy to just be like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any implications, but it's been, I've been enjoying the book so much. I've literally read 240 pages in two days. Oh
1: my like gosh, it's just yeah.
0: profit. I know because it's actually just been really interesting because it's like, actually all these countries have, have like made their own little uh, like banking systems in their own world. Like it's quite isolated and the UK did its thing and France was doing its thing and China's doing its thing, and everyone's doing its thing. But, other than, in, other than in like, I'm gonna get this wrong, I think, North Korea now. Is that the one that's separate? That's a bit separate, isn't it? Yeah. You can use your debit card or your credit card basically in any ATM in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that actually, that is true. You go on holiday, you can put that in a wall now. Think about it. This actual piece of plastic we have, we can use anywhere. So all these different banking systems that are all separate, have all managed in one world, in one situation. To standardize so that we can access right. money anywhere, and I've like never really thought about that. Like, actually, no, I haven't.
1: Not, not like everywhere. Like, maybe I thought developed countries, but not like everywhere. But it's true. I used it a lot in India. Like, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: And so there's like extremes like that, and then there's all these questions about how since um, FinTech has come in, because FinTech on the whole are not banks, so they don't have all of the regulatory issues so mm. fintech can do things that banks aren't allowed to do and so then it creates this new world because actually that's why they can do advances and it means sometimes then banks are trying to catch up but then actually banks can't always do those same things and the fintech obviously has masses of money and it's pumping things in so it can really be looking at it how we are paying for things and how it works and yeah and it's everything from like how do we just use something really simple and they like talk about like frictionless payment and how like you know it's great to be able to do a one click so the one click on Amazon Amazon made patented that in 1999 they patented it I was like what so they got it's not anymore so 2017 the patent ran out but they you know that made people spend more than we'd ever spent before and you know there's conversations about we spend cash we feel it we don't We do a one click and it's you know it's disappeared but also it's like okay they can do that and that's changed it and how much of that is for consumer good and how much of it is actually for consumer bad because we all we spend more and you know they talk about the dilemmas of credit cards but there's even interesting things like you know in the uk for example we have so much more um credit card debt than like all the rest of Europe. Like it's much more common in Europe to just use a debit card. Whereas in England, loads more people have a credit card. And it's like, whereas like in America, people still love a check. What? Like America, you see this like well-developed country, but people like, it was crazy. It's like the stats for like how many checks they still use. So i like, like, and it's like really, and then they're like talking about like China and like their systems of like how they've taken over. They have like two main ways that people can do transferred like from person to person and and, and, like they just moved to mobile they just skipped and so it's like how like different countries have taken on different bits of tech at different times and so it's just was really fascinating I think if anyone's actually into like the behind the scenes of money and banking and how the financial services work and just all that type of stuff because it does have implications for us and I think it's something like I'd never ever considered but to say it's quite like probably like not an academic book but you know quite a research whatever but i found it really interesting i've really enjoyed it absolutely it sounds brilliant
1: it sounds really good and again i love what you're doing at the minute because it's the bit that's interesting me like that learning about money but not about personal finance you know about the the wider thing and and also on a global scale um you know like I I read uh, listened to an interview about a year ago about how they do sort of loans in like um some African countries and how it's got nothing to do with the credits or anything like that you meet a person and you are like I trust you Mm. and there's like this crazy repayment rate because the you know people are so grateful that they've had a loan that then allows me them to buy raw materials to open up a shop or whatever it may be um and it's all done on trust rather than like credit score which is here and things like that and it's just so interesting when you understand like globally the difference um of of our financial systems, I suppose. And like you say, is it which is right, which is wrong, which works best, which doesn't, and is it for the consumer or for the banks and the, banks and the fintech companies?
0: It's really easy as well just to think the way we do it is the way everyone does it. Like I yeah. hadn't, the, the thing about the cards is quite an interesting one about like credit cards, debit cards, pin and chip, signing, like how that was, those things all happened in different countries at different times. And like mm. the UK has also got a very different sort of banking system and also mindset around payments to most of Europe, which I found quite fascinating. It's quite often the book, it would talk about Europe and it'd be like, but not the UK. And it would talk about how, like, yeah. So that, like, that was also just interesting for me. It's like, we're not like the US and we're not like the, U- the, U- the Europe. And it's like, how do, have we like, what is it? Is it society that pushes change or is it the change in the tech that's meant we've responded? So yeah. And at the moment I'm reading about uh, some stuff to do with, international banking how like actually loads of things got really quick but it still takes days to try and send money to like abroad to someone mm. and like why that is and like change around that so yeah definitely I, I will continue to keep diving into it I read I think I spoke about money by Jacob Goldstein a few weeks ago and that started me off in this um, realm but yeah it's definitely fascinating me and hopefully Verity will give us some more fascinating stuff with her going forward we're gonna learn mm, how it definitely. all works
1: we are we are um so my love what is your lovely life prompt so i'm gonna pull this, this back
0: week? i do feel a little bit like i'm not normally the associate the social justice and like preachy one but this week <laughs> You're i'm taking it. my flag <laughs> i know i'm taking your flag because no because honestly the world's water crisis it really touched me so i want to ask everyone to think about what changes could i be making to help du- reduce my water consumption so what changes could I be making to reduce my water consumption? Because I think it's really important. Actually, it's really the program really opened my eyes.
1: And just on that quickly, did they talk about uh, meat eaters versus plant based at all? And within the
0: so they program? didn't like... talk about what, uh, meat eaters versus um, vegetarians. The only the only thing they mentioned was just actually how much water it takes to make to make meat but they didn't actually right. I've seen in other programs where they've done this sort of
1: mm. um
0: this is how much it takes to, to grow a field and have all carrots and this is how much it make, takes yeah. to be yeah. able to feed one um pig or whatever so they didn't yeah. do the comparison but they did okay, explain yeah. how much water just go into meat
1: right no it's it's really interesting okay well we'll pop the link to the explain show if you want kind of a bit more background before you sort of answer that live prompt but once again thank you for being with us this week we hope you've enjoyed the show Um, if you want to reach out free and figuring it out at gmail.com or find us on social at free and figuring it out we will see you next week